What's going on, folks? Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. This is episode number 162. I apologize for not being uh, with you last week. Uh, It's been kind of a slow offseason, or at least slow offseason for the Padres the last week or so. Uh, But we're back here uh, today to talk some Padre news. Um, What's going on, guys? How are you guys doing today? Yeah, Happy New Year to both you guys. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Hopefully 2023 is the year of the Padres. Yeah. 22 is pretty good to the Padres in some aspects. Yeah, Yeah, it was was a Tatis-less year, but but it was still very promising. Yeah, I I would say when March came around, I don't think anyone really thought that 2022 was going to be that great of a year when the Tatis motorcycle incident happened and, you know, all that. All that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then all that stuff went down. But you know, the month of October was was pretty special. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a great time to be a Padre fan. There's no doubt in that. Uh, so let's talk about the most recent news. Uh, well, you know, let's let's review some old stuff that happened uh, since we last podcasted. Uh, Brandon Drury signed with the Angels. Uh, Will Myers signed with the Reds. Um, immediate thoughts on on either one of you guys. I think Drury was someone that we hope they would find a place for based upon his versatility, but it just didn't happen. Um, I don't know. Give me your guys thoughts on, on both guys uh, leaving San Diego. I think they both signed for kind of around what we expected. We, we talked a little bit, I think in one of our earlier podcasts where I was saying Drury was going to sign two years, somewhere around 20 million. And I think he got 17 million over two years. Didn't he take less to go to Anaheim or, or, or Los Angeles or whatever the hell they're called now? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know like what exactly the Padres offered him. I mean, for that price, I probably would have considered bringing him in for what he brings to the table. Yeah. You know, he can he can play first base. He can play a little corner outfield. He can play second or third in a pinch. He can DH. I think he would have been a good fit for a team like this where you have a lot of set positions, but a lot of moving parts at the same time. I At the same time, I don't think that He's, you know, a huge piece that you need to have. I, I think you could argue that parts of his 2022 were a little bit fluky where he played in Cincinnati. He had all those home runs there. He came over to San Diego. He didn't really replicate all that. So I, I'm not too worried about losing Drury. I think he would have been a nice complimentary piece for this team, but, you know, credit to him for, for getting his money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and any thoughts on Myers, uh, Dominic, I know he was a fan favorite and really, just really embraced the city of San Diego. And I think the fans really enjoyed that from Myers. Yeah. In my lifetime, Will Myers was the longest tenured Padre. So yeah, like yeah. that, uh, it's going to be really weird watching the Padres without Will Myers. For sure. And, I mean, you were a teenager, right? When he, when he came on to the Padres, when he first yeah, came. No, to the Padres. I remember like, Oh, Will Myers comes over for like a couple of, you know, good prospects and a player to be named later. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it, we all know how the story went after that, but like My- Myers was a big part of the Padres and I think he's going to go play really well in Cincinnati. Like he's going to probably make some adjustments. He's going to like Brandon jury hit yeah. some more home yeah. runs than what he did at Petco park. And I think the contract suits him well. He's getting paid a fair amount. And if he gets traded, he gets a contract bonus. So like, yes, I saw um, that, which is likely to happen if he has any yeah. success. Considering the team that he plays on and considering what happens to hitters in Cincinnati, I'd say that the odds are in his favor. So good for him. Uh, Are we going to hear, hear Myers trade speculation come July and August? Don't be surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I don't know if you guys saw too, that 
obviously signed with Cincinnati. When the Reds come to town on, I think it's May 1st, like the first, like, it's also Tatis's. It's also, yeah, Tatis's first game, first home game back. And so that will be a a wild week at Petco. (laughs) Yes, that's going to be exciting. You're going to feel some energy in in the stands for that, for sure. I'll be uh, be at Tatis's return. uh, You root for both players. You hope the best for them. Um, Opportunities were, I think, better for both players elsewhere. So they took it. Yeah. Let's talk about the most recent signing as the Padres signed Wilmer Font today, 32-year-old uh, right-handed pitcher. Uh, pitched the last two seasons in the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, uh, for the SSG Landers. Um, high strikeout rate, really impressive low walk rate. Uh, velocity was up to 95 miles per hour, was, was one of the best pitchers in the Korean Baseball League. Uh, did the Padres find another Nick Martinez-type player, or, or is that a little too... Too much of a, a hype for 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 um, for Font. I'd certainly like to hope so. I, he he does have somewhat of an established track record in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a ton of career innings. I think he's only got like 150 career innings in, in yeah. major league baseball. So you really have to wonder how much value is there really to extract from him. I mean, like he threw said. 184 last year in, in Korea. So, I mean, he's stretched out. He, he, they, yeah, right. They look, right. They, it looks like they want to leave him as a starter. So at this point, do you think he's a better option than, than Seth Lugo or? I think think he's more of like a Julio Tehran more than anything else. I I think he's someone that you could put in triple a for. So you're thinking triple a depth at this point. Okay. Yeah. And if things go really wrong or he needs to make a couple starts, then you're probably in some trouble, but I think he, it's another thing where, yeah, he's in his thirties, but at the same time, maybe you can get a little bit of value out of him. I, I think if he does see time like meaningful time with the Padres in 2023, it should be as a reliever. I don't think he should be okay. making extended starts. He does have decent th- stuff. Like he, he throws relatively hard. Yeah. Is there any details on contract stuff? I, I just, I hadn't heard anything about contract yet. It's I don't like contract. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, a minor league league. Is a contract. Okay. Yeah. But other than that, nothing surprising really. with the numbers that he had, that he didn't get a major league contract from someone, but well, it's, it's the KBO, which scouts yeah. generally translate it to about the play of double a. So, okay. like, you have to take that into account, and his fastball and, and has the numbers a lot of rise overly, to it. He wasn't dominating it, it by any stretch of the imagination down there. Yeah, they were yeah. good numbers, impressive numbers, but they weren't straight domination. So, yeah, and you've also but got it's a, an off figure too, like the KBO, as Dom said, they're like compare comparable to like double a, a lot of those guys don't throw harder than like 90 miles an hour either. So it's, so not, the last know. Yeah, yeah. So not much to look into, I would say. Okay. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what's, what, uh, AJ Preller has in store for us. So you get a feeling that this isn't the end of the rotation or as far as the, the pieces that they're going to have to, to compete in spring training, you get a feeling that this team is going to go for, and try to acquire another starting pitcher somewhere. Um, any thoughts off the top of your head? I know the Marlins are a popular topic for the Padres. Uh, Johnny Cueto's out there and had been rumored to be uh, choosing between the Marlins and the Padres. Uh, give me your guys' thoughts on the starting pitching situation and uh, what the Padres should do. Well, let's talk about Johnny Cueto because he's, his okay. rumors are kind of getting some gaslit under him so like Cueto 
isn't the sexiest pitcher in the world. Doesn't exactly have great stuff, but he's very crafty. You know, he's a veteran, like, and those terms kind of go hand in hand. But last year with the White Sox was a very good starting pitcher. And he was coming off a Tommy John surgery in the 2021 season. So, you know, you kind of see that second year after once you have an off season to kind of really work up your or ramp up your workload. And he was a lot better. And our Nick Lee at He's Village Times tweeted this. Uh, Johnny Cueto has 273 innings pitched over the last two years, which is more than Blake Snell and Sonny Gray, who the Potters have kind of been rumored in to be interested in as well. His 3.9 F4 in two years is tied with Taiwan Walker, who just got a four-year, like $75 million contract from the Phillies, which awful contract, by the way. Uh, 3.9 FIP is better than Robbie Ray, who won the Cy Young. Uh, two seasons ago, Lucas Giolito, Miles Michaelis, and Cal Quantrill. And, you know, that's a pretty good four to five starter, which is what he would be for the San Diego Padres. Yeah, he would need innings. And I think that's what's most important and what they need at this point. Yeah, yeah uh, Sam, and, and, and I'd say no more that I mean, maybe you give him two years, but I would say give him a one year deal with a little bit higher AAV. I thought I saw something out there that he was rumored to be getting somewhere in like the high single digits, low double digits, maybe like maybe like seven to $11 million. I think that's a good price for him. Like, like you guys are saying, yeah, he's about to turn 37, but he kind of maybe had a little bit of a career renaissance last year. He threw like 160 innings. He made 25 or so starts. Like I think he's a good depth option and he's someone that you might be able to rely on to give you starters innings in August and September when we don't really know if Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo can do that. Right. Nick Martinez, he didn't start all year last year. He made 10 starts. Lugo hasn't been a starter since 2017. Like, are we really going to believe that the five guys that we have pencils in right now are all going to be starting in August and September. I don't think so. You, you really can't with pitchers, especially. So to have a guy like Johnny Cueto who can throw some innings for you later in the season would be really beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And okay. So with, with Cueto, with the Cueto, potential Cueto signing, uh, does that open the floodgates up for the Padres obviously going over the next threshold and, and bring in more talent? Is, is that what we're going to see? Or are they going to try to move a Hassam Kim? It's kind of, uh, Drew Palm, Pomerant, Pomerantz, maybe? I, I don't know. What, what What are your guys' thoughts uh, in regards to the payroll and, and where the Padres at and if they have any flexibility to go nuts? Yeah, good luck moving Pomerantz, that's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that that is extremely dead weight at this point. Yeah. And I, I just don't know what the Padres like, could really do to lower their payroll because all of the players that like are being paid with the exception of Pomeranz and, you know, their, the dead Eric Cosmer money, like all, all of the money is like yeah. of players that are like of high use to the Padres. So they'd really be having to scrape there. And we don't know the exact numbers yet that Juan Soto and Josh Hader, even Jake Cronenworth and Trent Grisham, Austin Nola are going to be getting an arbitration. So like at this point, we'd really be guessing like how far they truly are away from that second threshold of the luxury tax. And if you do go over it, you know, you could be tempted to, you know, continue going over it and push up towards that third threshold. You could also hold off and say, Hey, we might add some payroll at the trade deadline. So I I think those are things that AJ Preller and Peter Sadler are going to have to weigh. 
Yeah, and James, yeah. I know that you talked about this a little bit previously off the offline, I should say. But I, I mean, when you talk about trading for Juan Soto, like all that they gave up for him to get two and a half years, right? Like, and I think reports are coming out that it's becoming more and more likely that he's probably going to hit free agency. So, and the chances of the Padres being able to pay him and Manny and Tatis, yeah, Tatis. and Bogarts is is pretty low. It makes going all in on 2023 and 2024 more of like a like let's do this. Like it becomes more feasible, which you know. And I think you might have said like, why sign someone for like a lower contract when you could just go all in this year, just blow past all the luxury tax thresholds and just go all in on 2023? Because I mean, I like to think of it as if you don't win a ring while Soto's here, then that trade probably isn't worth it. Right. Like this past yeah, year was fun yeah. and all, but I, I think you need to win a world series to kind of vindicate only having Juan Soto for two and a half years. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think the point that I tried to make was, uh, was signing Xander Bogarts, making the Padres a better team than if they signed Jose Abreu and Justin Verlander for less overall money, it would have been more AAV obviously for, for both players, but I make the argument that the team would have been a lot better position. You could have left Tatis at short or, or Kim at short and, and not gone down that road. They need a solid first baseman. Abreu would obviously bring that. And then adding uh, Justin Verlander to the top of this rotation. I mean, the Padres automatically would have been considered a, one of the best rotations in all of baseball. So I, I just poised that question. Uh, obviously they had it. They had interest in Abreu. He, he chose the Astros, the defending champions and, and really a, a great, organization as far as uh the way they're structured right now um verlander i don't know if that was ever an option for this team considering how much he he's getting per year but i i don't know i that's that's just what i was thinking because you're right they they need to win now this is team structure to win right now if they win the division and go off and lose in the first round that's that's an unsuccessful year the plan is to go deep into the playoffs a World Series title is the ultimate goal, and anything less than that will will be unsuccessful. And it's it's strange to hear that as a as a Padre fan, as someone who's rooted for this team their whole life. But that's the reality of it, and how they've constructed this team. So I just wonder, just why not just just I, I know it's not my money, obviously, and and it, but just pay the extra money, go out and and just get that extra player that's necessary, and um. A lot will happen, obviously, between now and the playoffs. I would expect the Padres to be very active in the trade season, uh, both now and once the trade deadline approaches. So it's just all speculation at this point. Uh, we already know that the San Diego Padres are capable of shocking the world and acquiring any player uh, that's out there. So I, we'll just have to wait and see and, and, and speculate. And that's basically all we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, that it's becoming increasingly apparent that 2023, that this, this single year is the year that they really need to make something happen because Snell's probably going to hit free agency, which we can touch on a little bit. I think he's going to have, he's primed for a really big year. Darvish is getting older. You don't know if you can retain him and if you can, how effective is he going to be late into his thirties? Martinez and Lugo. Those two are really interesting questions. I mean, they're losing a lot of pitching after this year. And and like, like we've talked about too, the free 
free agent market next off season is really dry besides Shohei Otani and, you know, maybe Manny or any other guys that can opt out of their contracts, but not a yes. lot of impact pitching. So they're either going to have to try to retain these guys or go find them in a trade because it's, I don't think you can throw 30 million per year at, at a high impact pitcher next year. No, there's just not going to be one available. Okay. So obviously let's, let's talk about Snell and Darvish. Both are a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, out of the two, Dominic, which would you keep? Would you try to get both? Would you try to retain them before the season? Give me your thoughts on that situation and what the Padres should do with both their potential aces, basically. It's such a tough question because Darvish is the better pitcher, but he's also far older. And he he pitches deeper into the season and gives you more innings, but like you have to really look at it. Like if you're going to give these guys some money and bring them back for two, three, four, five, however many years, it's going to be about who's going to be better then, or in like two or three years, if you're going to give them a five-year contract, who's going to be better. And I honestly think it's Blake Snell, which is hard to imagine because you Darvish has been that much better with the Potters and Snell has been, and Snell has been so like, not inconsistent, but he has his starts where he is just lights oh, out, especially in the second half. I'll say he's but then been inconsistent. He, he has starts where he just looks horribly lost, yeah. but it's very rarely like long, long stretches of like no. bad. And he picks it up in the playoffs and deep in the season yeah. traditionally. I mean, the struggles have been early and kind of mid season, not, you know, not when it counts, which is, which is good, but he's definitely an enigma. Sammy, out of the two, which would you keep? I mean, I don't know. Everyone seems to be enamored with Snell, and I am too, because I just feel like we haven't seen the overall upside from him yet. Yeah, it is a difficult question because they're they offer two pretty different skill sets. Like Snell, you could argue has the best stuff of any left-handed starting pitcher in all of baseball. He's got an upper nineties fastball. He's got that wipeout slider. He's basically a two pitch starter, which you don't really see as much anymore. He really rarely throw, he doesn't throw the curveball. Johnson esque right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like he doesn't throw the curveball, doesn't throw the change up that much. But, but at the same time, like you guys are saying, he's wildly inconsistent too. And between these two guys, if you want to pay one of them, you're going to pay one of them to be at the top of your rotation. And I know that Snell was kind of that guy in Tampa, but for a team that has admittedly shorter term expectations right now, like I'd prefer not to worry about 2026, 2027. I'd rather bet on a little bit more of a sure thing in you Darvish over the course of like two or so years, give him a contract. That's not exactly the same as Verlander's, you know, a little bit less AAV, obviously yeah. I'd yeah. rather have Darvish at the top of the rotation as opposed to Snell. Cause you know, yeah, Snell could be a Cy Young winner in 2024 whenever he gets paid, or he could be, you know, eight and 10 with like a five ERA and like four walks per nine innings. Yeah. So for and you just don't see that you don't see that potential coming from Darvish. You don't see him completely right. falling off the cliff like that. Right. I, um, and, and I think he's something to note too. He's really diligent about his work ethic. I'm not saying Snell isn't, but mm-hmm, Darvish mm-hmm. is seems to be pretty renowned for how he handles himself between starts yeah, yeah. and during the off seasons. And he's always looking to get better. He's always looking for that little extra he can give himself. I think he's someone who like Max Scherzer, like Justin Verlander, he has that longevity in 
his career where he can still give you 180, 200 innings deep into his 30s, especially for a team that wants to win the World Series for the next two to three years. Yeah, I, I agree. Dominic, and any last thoughts on this too? I mean, no, I mean, I want, I want your thoughts on this. Cause like, I mean, I, I think what Sammy proposed is like completely valid. And I also think that like, if the Padres have like uh, a wanting to like stay a winning franchise for longer than like this, it's not like a designated window for the next two to three years, but like if they want to be winners for longer than that, I mean, then Snell's in that case, might be the better option, but they could also try and reload the farm system and have a young wave of pitchers come through over yeah, the next yeah, three years yeah. and let Snell walk and say, all right, well, Darvish for the next two years. But I don't know. What, what do you think? I want both. Uh, that's, that's my opinion. I, I want both. Uh, I think both are happy in San Diego. Uh, if I had to choose between the two, I think I would pick Darvish just because of the, just the overall consistency that you know what you're going to get. And the fact that it probably only take a two or three year deal to, to secure him. Um, Snell is just uh, such an enigma. Um, I tweeted out once uh, Carlos Rodon signed with the Yankees that they're eerily similar. Obviously what did, what did Rodon get with the, with the Yankees contract wise? I want to say it was like 160 over six years. Yeah. Yes. That's for us. That seems crazy to even consider paying that to Snell. Uh, is is a, a Musgrove type contract fair to Snell? Is that is that it's going to come down to costs? It really is, uh, and it's going to come down to how well Blake Snell pitches this year, and if he's able to harness his consistency and, and throw thirty plus innings. The only time in his career that he's approached thirty innings and and hundred or thirty starts and one hundred eighty innings is a Cy Young Award winning season. Uh, he's going to have to pitch to contact a little better. Uh, I mentioned in the contract piece that I just wrote uh, this week that he's third all time in major league per nine innings. He gets batters out. He strikes them out. That's just going to add to your pitch count. That's just going to inflate his pitch, especially when you factor in his walk high walk rate. Um, He's going to have to, to, Tone that down. Ruben Niebela is going to have to really get in his head and really get him to pitch to contact a little more, not be afraid to let batters make contact early in counts. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but my honest answer is I want both pitchers. This team is not structured to survive in 2024 and beyond without both pitchers. Uh, I don't see AJ Preller having patience to wait for a, a pitcher to develop. Look at what Eric Lauer is doing in Milwaukee. Look what Cal Quantrill is doing in uh, Cleveland. Preller's just not going to have patience for a young pitcher to develop. He he didn't with Gore. Gore is going to be a, a phenom for the Nationals for a while. Um, and then there's not very many free agents out there. So I think both pitchers are are, are going to be where they focus their money. And sadly, I think that Juan Soto is not going to be a San Diego Padre past the 20, was it 25 season, 2024 season? What was it signed? 2024 season. See two more years is, is, is scary considering the group of players that went to Washington. I mean, I'm not trying to prospect hug in, in, yeah. in, in way, shape or form, but you package James Wood or Robert Hassel right now, you could probably attain a Brian Reynolds. You could probably attain anybody you want with those type of players. 
Uh, and then Gore and Abrams already major league ready, hold tremendous value. So, and then we didn't even, talk, I'm not even bringing up Susana with this 103 mile per hour fastball. So that trade is going to be scary if the Padres aren't able to six, have success the next two seasons. And if Juan Soto is allowed to walk, it's, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And I, I still think that making that trade with the thought that, Hey, we may not be able to sign him, but we're going to improve our chances this year. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. give ourselves just as good as any team in baseball in the next two full seasons of one. So I still think it's worth giving up those prospects oh, as good sure. as they and are. Yeah, for sure. sure. For sure. And I'm not trying to say that I wouldn't make the deal right now. If I, if it was proposed to us, I, I would obviously do it. Juan Soto is a once in a lifetime type generational talent. It's it's amazing to have him on the San Diego Padres. I'm just trying to speculate later on in, in again, baseball is, is, a, is a lot about speculation. So uh, it, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously that's, that's just the way it goes. Um, let's talk a little trade rumors. Um, it seems that Trent Grisham and Hassan Kim names seem to both be coming up uh, in trade rumors. Do you see any way that the Padres can maximize value on, on either player and, and obtain pitching or um, what are your guys thoughts on the trade uh, speculation that you see out there on both men? I think the, the two partners that came up or that kind of keep coming up are in terms of Grisham. I know that the Marlins are looking for an impact center fielder, like a long-term center fielder. They want like a guy that they can stick out there for the next 10 years or whatnot. I think that makes a little bit of sense. You could also throw Hassan Kim in there as well. The other one that I was curious about was the Minnesota twins. I know that Sonny Gray's name has kind of been floated around out there. I think that would be interesting. He's only got one year left of control before he hits free agency. So again, the reluctance though for me to give up either of them is you know one they're both supremely talented defensively they're they're both plus plus defenders at their positions that they play you know you put kim at second base now he's not as valuable at shortstop but he's still a gold glove second baseman grisham has won two gold gloves in center field if grisham can return to any part of what he was in the first half of 2021 that's a massive win for you if he's hitting out of the nine hole now instead of having to hit leadoff. And then the other thing for me is for a team that seems like they're trying to stay underneath the next luxury tax threshold, neither of these guys is going to make more than like 7 million. I know Kim makes 7 million this year. Grisham is going to make significantly less than that. I think like two to three are the arbitration figures that I'm seeing for him. So I mean, for, for guys that aren't making as much money who are providing more value than they're getting paid for, that's pretty scarce on this team, right? Like you're seeing almost every impact player on this team get 10, 15, 20, $30 million. And so to have those cheap, somewhat controllable players is, is really valuable. And I don't know how much the Padres value that, but I feel like they value it somewhat. I, I know too, that like, I saw a couple of tweets out there saying that they're looking for a a Brian Reynolds-esque return. I'll see it happening. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. To me, it seems bizarre to, to even deal Grissom at this point. There's, there's really no backup plan. I know speculation is Fernando Tatis Jr. will be center field and he'll be phenomenal in center field, but I need to see that. I, I want to see that in gameplay. I want to see that in action. I want to see him health wise, make it. I, I just, uh, 
unless you're re- getting a center fielder in return for Grisham, I, I don't think that he should be dealt. I, I mean, if you're dealing them to Pittsburgh in a package for Brian Reynolds, then okay, maybe I can I, I can think about that. That that makes sense a little bit. Okay, you know Reynolds can play center, Tatis can play center. We we'll figure it out, whatever. But the idea that Fernando Tatis is a starting center fielder, he's going to be phenomenal in center field, and then he's not. We're looking at. Jose Ozokar starting. We're looking at who the hell else is out there. Travis Jankowski's out there. I mean, what, they're going to be scrambling for a center fielder. And that's that's not how you want to do things. You want to do things with a purpose. You want to do things because you have structured, you have things in place. There's no phenom center fielder in AAA ready to take over. Trent Grisham is, is valuable to this team defensively. You hope to God that he figures it out with the bat and, and returns to the 80% of what he was doing when he was successful with the bat. We'll have to wait and see, but I, I well, Grisham is, is to me off limits. Hassam Kim, I can make an argument for, but at the same regard, I know Manny Machado really loves him. I, I know that he has tremendous value. The entire As, team in city loves him. Yes. And he has tremendous value as, as a bench player, as a, as a guy you can rotate at second, short, third, you could probably play some outfield if you needed him. I mean, he has value in that regard and his contract really isn't that bad. I know that they're talking about trimming money here and there, but again, we're going, if you're going all in three, four, $5 million nitpicking here and there is not a good look, go all in, go over the luxury tax, go all in. It's in the end, that world series title in in October or November, whenever it is, is well worth the extra little bit of commitment as far as financially. And and Peter Seidler can certainly afford it. So go all in if you're going to go on. Well, if either of those two guys are going to be traded to me, it would be Hassan Kim because at the moment, even probably next year, he is, costing the Padres in terms of payroll some more money. And he's also more expendable given the players that they have on the roster. I mean, you mentioned it with Grisham, like who plays center, you know, Tatis who's played what, like 30 career games out there and like openly came out and said, I hate it out here. Uh, Jose Zocar. I I don't want that. But if you trade Haas on Kim, like he's not going to be playing shortstop. You'd move Kernanworth to second like you already have you have other middle infielders like if either of those two guys are going to be traded it would be kim and like kim's everyone talks about how trent grisham was so bad offensively last year and like hustle and kim was a league average hitter at best last year average exit velocity in the 10th percentile hard hit percentage in the 12th percentile like is he really like that good of a hitter no and like he could easily have the type of season that Trent Grisham just had at yes. the plate. And Trent Grisham, we saw in 2020 and in the beginning of 2021, a much better hitter than what Hoslin Kim has shown us uh, so far through. I mean, he didn't really get a great chance to play in 2021, and we saw improvement in 2022. But Hoslin Kim is way, like, way overrated when it comes to his bat. His glove makes him obviously a really good shortstop, but like he could easily have like a not very good offensive season because all indications point towards uh, him overperforming what his uh, expected numbers were. Yeah. I think we could all agree too that Trentram's offensive ceiling is a lot higher than Kim's. I think Grisham could 
maybe not easily, but I, I, th- I don't think any of us would be surprised if he hits, you know, 25, 30 home runs next year and seals a bunch of bases. I think we'd all be relatively surprised if Hassan Kim hit between 20 and 30 home runs next year. So that's something else you have to consider too. Obviously you can't count on either of them performing above their expected standards. You never know what's going to happen, but that's something you got to consider just because we've seen what Grisham's potential is. We've seen what he can do and, and we haven't really seen it from Kim. He's more of a slap hitter. Who's got a really good glove. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's a question of whether the Padres want to maximize the value of Hassan Kim. If they think that his value is at the pinnacle right now, or do you think he's going to get better? And if you think he's at the pinnacle right now, now is the time to deal him because he has shortstop value. There's a lot of teams that are missing shortstops. There's a lot of teams that lost shortstops this winter um, that would have some interest in, in the, in the Padres in, in that regard in, in Hassan Kim. So, um, in, in center field, let's, let's stick to that topic. Um, there's a player out there that I think the Padres should potentially kick the tires on. And that's AJ Pollock. If you're looking for center field help, um, to me, he's a good compliment to Trent Grisham as he's rakes right-handed or he rakes left-handed pitching. Um, traditionally he was a 935 OPS last year, uh, versus left-handed pitching, uh, 11 homers and 126 at bats. Um, this is a guy with the 868 career OPS has been clutch in the past. To me, that's the type of player that you want to keep or you want to sign. I don't, I wouldn't want to start him every day. I wouldn't want him as a, as a starting player, but necessarily off the bench or as a platoon option for Grisham. Um, that's someone who's, who, who interests me. And, and again, this goes back to, to paying the four or $5 million extra for a player like this and, and having them on the bench with their potential because we all know players like this can step up in October and turn into juggernauts. So give me your guys thoughts on, on, on Pollock. I know uh, it's, we haven't heard anything um, on him linked to the Padres or anything, but I was just wondering what your guys thoughts on AJ Pollock. Yeah. I mean, much better hitter than those two guys we just talked about. I, yeah. I wouldn't be comfortable throwing him out there in center field. It's been a long time since he played that position back when he was in Arizona. And he's he played, a guy who he just last season, he played a uh, hundred and some getting innings uh, games last season for the white Sox in center field. Last really? Season. That's no wonder they had a disappointing me. season. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, like again, that's not an option that I want to see every day, but at, right. I like to strengthen this bench. And that's someone who compliments Grisham very well. Sure. And I think that he could be a guy that also like, if you say, Hey, like, Let's put him in the lineup against righties and we could also play Tatis Jr. in center just, just a little bit or Pollock because Pollock, I mean, I'm looking at his, at his numbers right here. Uh, outs above average 32nd percentile. Outfielder jump 27th percentile. Those aren't good. 60th percentile in sprint speed. That's not bad, but those aren't, that's not a guy you want in center. Like yeah. point blank, but his exactly. bat, his bat, like you want his bat. Yeah. He, he raked. When he was healthy in Arizona, he raked for the Dodgers, which everyone does for the Dodgers, clutch except for Joey well, Gallo. Yeah, clutch hitter was good for Chicago as well. So I, I would not be opposed to bringing him on, but I would be skeptical if he's like the backup center fielder. Yeah, well, I think the Padres are at the point right now where they're kind of looking at players like that and waiting for their values to just continue to drop, continue to drop. And then, you know, we'll, we'll throw you a minor league invite or whatever. And, and hopefully they're trying to, they're trying to maximize value on, on these players and dumpster dive, if you will. And I think that, uh, Pollock probably fits under that, um, that, uh, 
mantra. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, guys. Um, I'm just just speculating, uh, just trying to strengthen this bench because the bench yeah. is really horrible right now. Um, they're going to have to bring in some veteran help to just to strengthen the bench at this point. Um, if you're starting Hassan Kim, then you got like Igai Rosario on the bench as a, as a backup infielder. That's just not, that's just, again, when it comes down to going the extra mile and strengthening your team, it, you know, I, I don't want the fancy car with the flashy rims and the, I want everything. I want the flashy rims and I want the end out. I want to, you know what I mean? I'm trying to make a point here, but sorry, I got a little off topic. Um, let's talk about Jerkson Profar, uh, another free agent that's out there. Uh, someone who probably unwisely declined his $8 million option with the Padres, probably wishes he has that had that about now. I don't know what his interest is right now. I don't know if Scott Boris is holding out for a multi-year deal for him. Um, what do you think he gets on the open market? And do you think that the Padres have any interest at all in bringing him back? Or does it basically come down to cost? I do think he's going to get a multi-year deal. I do think he's going to get somewhere from two to three years, probably at a price a little bit more than Brandon Drury, I would say. I I don't know. I I do think that it would be interesting for the Padres to consider bringing him back just because he is kind of that super utility guy. Like before 2022, when he started in left field every day, like – He played left field. He played second base. He played first base. He even played a little bit of center field. And, you know, even though he had a handful of assists, he still wasn't that valuable defensively in left field. Like I think that was more of a mirage than anything. He was a below average defender. If you watched all the games, you saw how many times he took horrible runs. His routes and jumps are awful. They're they're bad. Right. And, And so I don't want to look into that like too much for a team that's looking for bench help more than anything else. But I do think that he's probably going to be able to go somewhere where he gets offered more playing time. I know I've seen like the Yankees are looking for a left fielder. The Rockies are looking for a left-handed hitting outfielder. I think that there are like teams like that out there who have like a more defined spot that they can offer him where they can give him three years, 30 million. I don't think it would be smart to give him more than like seven or eight, like, like, his team option. Like I would have given him his team option this year if it was for one year, but if you're paying him that over like three years, I don't think it's smart. So I don't think he's going to end up with the Padres just because I think someone's going to give him more money and more playing time to to end up somewhere else, but he would be a great bench option. He'd be a great guy to like, just move around the field when guys need days off, but he's not going to want to, do that. That's the right, problem. Right. So yeah, starter, yeah. another one of those guys like Hassan Kim, like the fans love him. He, he, he had a better than league average season, but it wasn't that much better. And you look at his peripherals, 22 percentile on average exit velocity, 19th percentile on hard hit percentage, 14th percentile on barrel percentage. You go, all right, is this really someone that you want to give like $10 million to per year? No, the answer is no. And there are also the numbers that say like, like he was really good when he wasn't shifted on, which now that the shift is gone, like you got to take that into account. Like, sure. Yeah. It's promising for Profar, but he does a lot of the little things. Well, he doesn't swing and miss. He doesn't really chase. So like he adds his value in those other spots. And like Sammy said, last year was a one-off for Profar and the aspect that he really only played left field and DH for the Padres. He used to be a utility guy. And maybe that's part of the reason why he was able to have a career best hitting year, despite the fact that his OPS plus was just 114. So I, 
the Potters don't really have a spot to like offer him like, Hey, you're going to go play this spot every day. Unless if Matt Carpenter is going to play first base and they're going to rotate around those three middle infielders and Tatis is going to play right. Or I don't know, like the, the Potters have too many like position players that like seem to get playing time to like offer jerks and profile that left field job exclusively. Like he had last year. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it makes sense to bring him back in the capacity that he wants to be. No, it really doesn't. It comes down to money and the money would be allocated better in different areas at this point. I think Jackson Pofire is a name right now. And and when you see him, he kind of loses luster. The, 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 his, his, his real value is as a bench player, like Sammy said, is, is, is as someone that you can plug and play in different positions, a switch hitter, decent speed, uh, good clubhouse guy. Um, I, I just don't think that that's a wise investment for San Diego at this point. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I know for a fact that that is Fernando Tatis's probably best friend on the team. So yeah, um, I'll we'll have to wait and see. And at the uh, same time too, he he's only, he's posted an OPS plus above a hundred above league average yeah. three times. The, the most recent time I was mean, this he's year. Never hit 300 in his career, including the minor league. He is a name. He is right. someone who was number one prospect list, number one player uh, twice, two years in a row. He'll always be that name. And, and no matter you, if he's 40 years old and still playing somewhere, he'll be that name. Uh, and at this point, I think that's, what's just, keeping him around and keeping his real value. If you, if you ask me, I mean, I mean, he's a good ball player. He does a lot of things unheralded things, but it's just at this point, I think they need to be wiser with their money. Yeah. He's definitely someone who like whoever signs him to a three year deal or whatever is going to look back on that and be like, why did we give jerks and profile three yeah. years and 35 million or whatever he winds up getting? Yeah. You can't yeah. bank on him being an above average league hitter league for, hitter you know, the better part of his thirties. No. I, I think this is definitely something where he's, you know, he had a good year last year and he's probably going to capitalize on that, but he's not going to perform up to the level of the contract that I think he's probably going to get. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's just definitely uh, red flags to, to beware if you're the San Diego Padres. Um, all right, guys, it's uh, I think it's about that time to hit the uh, salary game right now. Uh, I know we're about ready on time. We're about good on yeah. time. Um, so let's close it out with that. Um, I, I go three, three for three again. I, that's up to you. I don't know. Yeah. That, that, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I have uh, for the first names, I have Drew Pomerantz. Uh, who was uh, in this in this in, in this podcast and Andrew Kashner. I'm not really too familiar with what Kashner signed for. And like I know he went to Baltimore after he was with the Padres. I think he also went to Texas as well. I'm gonna go Pomeranz. Yeah, I think Kashner, he got some one year deals, but I don't think he made all that much money. Like it was from like a few years back and I don't think he played for super long too. So I'm going to say Pomeranz as well, as much as it pains me to say it. Wow. You both take an offer on the first, first one. Wow, geez. Andrew Kastner, 10 years made $41.01 million. Uh, Drew Pomeranz, 11 years is at 40.31. Of course he will pass Andrew Kastner this year with his 10 yeah. million salary and his 2020 salary was prorated which is yeah, the first real. year of his contract so well, there you go yep. Yep. good find uh next next two uh i have heath bell and wally joiner uh, heath bell he played for a while now hear that 
<laughs> he played for like I, I think he's just looking at his baseball reference page, which doesn't give you salaries or anything. Yeah, no, it does, no, he, it he does. For like eight years, I want to say eight or nine years. Uh, Wally Joyner played 16 years, Heath Bell played 11 years. Oh, wow, he's around for a while. I'll say, uh, I'll say Heath Bell. I really don't know. I'm not another player, I'm not really too familiar with his Wally Joyner, but. I'll take the uh, the experienced, uh, the old timer. I'll go with Wally Joyner. Dominic with the win there. Wally Joyner made thirty nine point eight six million dollars. Heath Bell made thirty seven point five six million dollars. So a little uh, about a million and uh, one point three million more for for Mr. Joyner in his five extra years. Uh, last one. The relievers are over two here. Yeah. yeah. Last one I have. Roberto Alomar and Chase Headley. This is just a criminal like comparison right there. Uh, hmm. Well, I know Chase Headley got like a good sized contract. He blew the Yankees for a couple of years. Several years. Yeah. He got some money. And then he came back to the Padres and was just horrific. Yeah. <laughs> like so like three for like 50 or something in that. Yeah. <laughs> Robinson Cano type numbers. Yeah. yeah. Ian Kinsler like, right? No, I, as much as I, as much as I was on the anti Kinsler train during his Padres tenure, he, he turned it around in the latter half of the season. Um, uh, Man, I feel like I'm going to go Headley here. And Alomar yeah. was just such the superior player here, but I think Headley made some more money. Yeah, I think so too. I think Alomar might have played for longer too. Uh, Alomar played 17 years. Chase Headley played 12 years. And you both take an over there. Ah. Roberto Alomar made $78.81 million. Chase Headley is at $77.73 million. Oh, so really close. Yeah. $1.2 million. Oh, you made a lot well, of money for playing so long ago. Yeah, yeah. Alomar, he he, he had good. a run there. He was so good. Yeah, man. Don't even. I don't even want to go down that route because I was. I was. I got twelve when he got dealt or something like that. Oh, yeah. His man. first three years after he got traded from the Padres, he finished sixth in MVP voting. What year? What year did he get dealt? Eighty nine. Eighty eight. After ninety, yeah. So I was th- I was 13, 14 years old. Oh man! In the next three years, he was he received oh. like a good amount of MVP votes, and then yeah, in yeah. ninety nine, he got third, which was his first year with the uh, with the Indians. That was the then Indians, now now Cleveland. Yeah. But uh, every time he like joined a new team, he he had a good season. Yeah. After leaving the Padres, he made eleven consecutive All Star teams. <laughs> To be fair, he, he did make one in, in 1990, his last year with the Padres. They they did that trade for Tony Fernandez because they needed a shortstop so bad. And and I mean McGriff was was awesome as well, but Tony Fernandez was what they coveted in that deal. And uh God rest Tony Fernandez's soul. But yeah, it, it is what it is. It's part of Padre lore. It's what made Padre fans who they are right now and, and made the coming year even more special. So uh 
Dominic, take us out of here. Uh, I think this is a good show. Uh, episode 162. We should have uh, a show next week and uh, hopefully we'll have some, uh, some trade speculations, some trades going through, maybe some additions to the roster. Uh, you never know. Yeah, I'll be back in uh, in Arizona by the next time we're recording. So thank you all for listening to episode 162 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. Uh, Sammy James and I, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, hopefully we can get some guests coming on soon. And before you know it, after this totally normal offseason, we will have pitchers and catchers reporting out in Arizona in just about five or six weeks. So uh, have lots of content coming your way, uh, both here on the podcast and on eastvillagetimes.com, covering the Padres and all San Diego sports. Thank you all for tuning in.